Welcome to Adversarial Distancing. And today we have a special special guest uh, slash co-host Joel Groose is here to talk about his latest book, the uh, FizzBiz book, Ten Essays on FizzBuzz. Is that what the title is? Ten Essays on FizzBuzz. That's right. And you know, I have a I have a, a copy of it in front of me, and uh, you know, it was I've had a chance to to skim through it, and um, we wanted to talk about talk about the book and. I, I was curious about some of his uh, some of his experience and motivation, and uh, so you know, welcome welcome to the show, Joel. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's it's a, a real thrill to be here. Yeah, yeah, same for me. I think. Um, so, did you did you have anything you want to start off with? You know, where where the book came from, what the motivations were. I know, obviously, you you have a, a fascination with the FizzBuzz problem. Yeah. So, um, in 2016. Um, I wrote a blog post called FizzBuzz and TensorFlow, and it was the story of someone who went on a technical interview and got asked yeah. to solve FizzBuzz. Um, and for those of you who don't know, FizzBuzz is kind of a programming weed-out problem that goes something like this. Print the numbers 1 to 100, except if the number is divisible by 3, instead of printing the number, you print Fizz. If it's divisible by 5, instead of printing the number, you print Buzz. If it's divisible by 15, instead of printing the number, you print FizzBuzz. So yeah. as, uh, as programming problems go, it's not a real hard one. And so it tends to get asked or stereotypically get asked um, to basically test if someone knows how to code at all, because if they yeah. can't solve it, it it's, a, it's a real bad sign. So anyway, this blog post uh, was the story of a job candidate who got asked this problem and was insulted at being asked uh, that problem, and so decided to solve it using TensorFlow, which uh, back yeah. in 2016, TensorFlow was a popular deep learning framework. Um, a reasonable tool choice. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was before PyTorch, before yeah. before Jax, before... Um, I don't, I don't know what people use today. PyTorch, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, and, and so it was, you know, humorous, educational. Uh, I tugged at the heartstrings, and you know, it went modestly uh, viral. Uh, people shared it. People liked it. It's one of the things that uh, I'm known for. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I, I just sort of, I wrote it randomly. But after that, I kind of took an interest in the FizzBuzz problem, and I started informally collecting. Uh, or trying to come up with other interesting ways to solve it. And, you know, I, I didn't want to blog about FizzBuzz again because blah, blah, blah. Like, mm -hmm. who, who likes to repeat the same joke over and over again? Um, but, you know, if I found a, like, a, a really pithy solution that was a couple lines, I would tweet it out because, you know, why not, why not mm -hmm. tweet it out? Mm -hmm. And uh, someone about a year ago said, you, your next book should be like 100 ways to solve FizzBuzz. And, you know, 100 is a lot, but I started thinking about that. And, and I thought, I bet I could come up with at least 10 that are mm -hmm. like interesting in one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just came up with, you know, I did iterate a few times to get to a good list of 10. But I came up with 10. And then I just sort of used each one as kind of the basis for an essay about, you know, some aspect of mathematics, some aspect of Python, some aspect mm -hmm. of coding, some aspect of testing code, things like that. Mm -hmm. And the first couple of solutions, not, not to spoil it too much, are uh, very straightforward, uh, just very, you know, very easy, uh, simple, the first kinds of things that you would think of what you would do in, in an interview. One of them is, is, you know, what you would do in an interview. The other one is just basically a, a smart aleck response. And then it, it goes, it goes forward. And I, you know, I, when I page through the, the table of contents and, and read through the book, I noticed that every, every time I got to a new chapter, it felt like I was getting, um, getting a, a brand new punchline that was uh, really refreshing. I thought it was uh, the, the choices that you made uh, really are uh, they're, they're creative and surprising and uh, and uh, humorous and and interesting. Um, so I, I would say, um, you know, we can we can talk some about it. And uh, if you want, um, I mean, some of them are, you know, some of them are just basic, like how, how you do it if you were programming. What like one is the, the programming interview correct solution? Then the other ones are, are basically no no way would you ever attempt it. But it's a it's a funny one because you, you've taken like a, a really really toy problem 
and then sort of turned it inside out in in several different ways. So it's I I really I'm really enjoying the book. Yeah, I I mean the thing that's interesting is that when you first think about it, there it seems like there's an obvious way to solve it, which is you know check if the number is divisible by 15, print fizzbuzz. Otherwise, if the number is divisible by five, I mean basically you know re- recapitulate the problem statement using ifs and elifs and elses yeah. and, and, and yeah. so on. Um, but it turns out there's a lot of uh, different and surprising ways to solve it. Some of them are actually, I, I think they're nicer solutions, like they're better solutions. And some of them are not. Some of them are, yeah. are like terrible solutions, but they're yeah. also kind of interesting in their own way. Uh, I mean, the, the, the most sideways one probably is random guessing. I think that's Yeah, that's I, 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 I think that one, that one is, uh, that's a really interesting one. And, and, you know, most of the ones in the book I came up with myself, that one I did not. I, 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 the code is mine, but the actual idea behind that solution I learned from a Stack Overflow post. But basically, oh, cool. okay. uh, the the idea is that random numbers in Python or in pretty much any other computer language are not truly random. Um, and so, if you're clever, you can get them to behave in a specific way that you want them to behave. Um, and in particular, that means you can, if you're clever, use random dot choice, which is a function which takes a list and picks a random quote unquote random element from it uh, and use that to basically pick the right fizzbuzz answer from from a list of choices. And, and oh, so when, okay. when, when you when you when you look at the code and you see there's no there's no ifs, there's no elifs, there's really just, you know, calls to random dot choice. It's it's extremely surprising that something mm-hmm. like that would work. And so mm-hmm. then the chapter sort of goes into some detail about, you know, how do computers handle, quote unquote, randomness? And what is Python's random module really doing? And if you wanted to implement your own kind of randomness, how would you do that? And, and it sort of unpacks it down to that level and then brings it back to, okay, now that we kind of understand what it's doing, how can we use that to come up with something that's going to give us the, the right answer to the FizzBuzz problem? Yeah, that's cool. Uh so you came up with that just by reading were you were you trying to solve a solution to something or were you were you thinking of different ways of doing fizzbuzz and when you no i was I, th- I think i was googling for like what are some stupid ways of solving fizzbuzz and that was that was that's the one solution in the book where where i just kind of found it like yeah. that someone else had written it up and and the, the exact way i do it is probably idiosyncratic to me it uses iter tools and some other things but yeah. um but but that's the, that's the one that i really like um the idea is not mine. Like definitively, mm-hmm. it's not mine. It's mm-hmm. I learned this from Stack Overflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the uh, you know there there are some ge- geometric solutions. There's uh, one that is based on trigonometry. You know, when I I saw the diagram of uh, a triangle and a circle and the uh, sine, cosine, and, and tangent, I, I laughed when I saw it. It's 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 in a, such a different direction than than what anybody would expect uh, this problem to be solved in. So. Um, you know, the book has lots of good surprises like that. I, I think, um, did you, uh, did, what were the, what were some of the things that you left out? I mean, and what, why didn't they make the cut? That's a good question. Um, there was a chapter that I cut that, I, that was called basically, um, object oriented madness. And so basically it was about coming up with a very, actually interestingly extensible, um solution that you know if you wanted to add variations like okay instead of three and five it's three five and seven and so on and it had like interfaces and classes and inheritance and and all this stuff um but it turned out that like once i wrote it i felt like it didn't really say anything super interesting about the problem it was really just more a chapter about here's how object-oriented programming works in python and so for that reason, I found it kind of dissatisfying and started trying to figure out how to what I could replace it with. There was another one that uh, involved basically like merging streams uh, where the, the best way I can just des- the, the best way I can describe it is like imagine that you had um, one person who always said the number. So he says one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. And then you had another person who um, says fizz every thir- third number and then um, uh, otherwise says the number. And you have another person who says buzz every fifth number and otherwise, and, and so on. And then you have another, actually, 
yeah, something like that. And then basically a way of like using heaps to merge those streams. And it was, it was, it was very kind of oblique and confusing. And a couple of the people who read the early versions of the book found it confusing and they said, I don't really get this chapter. Uh And so I, I started looking for, um, what I could replace it with. And what I ended up doing was at that point, uh, so now the ninth chapter is all about matrix multiplication. Before that, the matrix multiplication was just sort of a throwaway solution that was in the deep learning chapter. So I just broke mm. that into two chapters. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, the uh, the one with iterables is, is kind of nice. It's uh, I mean all all the solutions are very uh, very tidy, um, which I think is interesting too. You know, because I think um, I mean the first one's not right. The the one where you just print everything out. Uh, I'm a so uh, tidy means something different in the world of data science, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, but 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 I, I'm I'm a very tidy code kind of kind of person. Like yeah. uh, especially when you write books where you're illustrating things with code um, or blog posts when you're illustrating things with code, I spend a lot of time thinking about um, you know how can I write this code in a in a way that most clearly communicates. Uh, my intention and how it works. And, and so like much more so than if I were writing code, you know, uh, for work or something. But but when you're trying to explain here's gradient descent um, using code, then you want to write the code in a way where you, you think very seriously about like, what are the best variable names I can choose so that it's super clear what's going on? And, you know, should I use for loops or list comprehensions? Well, which one is going to make it like really dead clear what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. that was a skill that I really, um, I, I would say that I really honed, especially writing the second edition of Data Science from scratch, mm-hmm. and then I kind of applied it here as well. And it turns out that now I tend to do that in all my code, even like work code. So mm-hmm. it's just it's a good habit to be in. Yeah, it's nice. Um, I guess um, what I mean in, in the process of writing this, did you? It looks like you self-published on LeadPub. Uh, any any advice for people thinking about doing something like this? Uh, you know, as far as tool choice, uh, what did you use to did you use ASCII ASCII doc or you know what what did you use for your markup or publishing or how'd you do that? All those tools would be interesting, I think. Yeah, so you know, I I debated whether to self publish it or try and find a publisher. The thing I kept coming back to is that it's 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 a really strange book. And what do, what do I mean by that? I, I mean that no one goes to the store and says, I want to buy a book about FizzBuzz. Like, you don't. And I've never like, done that. No. I, exactly. Yeah, right. so, so, like, you might go to the store and see, here's a book on data science. Like, I want to learn about data science or I want to learn about, you know, Spring or I want to learn about Apache or whatever. But no one says, I want to learn about FizzBuzz. So, so that makes it a little bit of a, of a tough sell from that point. And, and the other thing that's a little bit strange about it is that, like, I see this introduction. It's the sort of book that I think, I hope you would learn a lot by reading it, but it's not a book that you would read to learn anything in particular, right? Mm -hmm. So that there's no one who's going to say, I need to learn X, so therefore I'm going to go read the FizzBuzz book. Mm -hmm. It's it's more, um, I'd like to like learn some random things and think about some problems in a new way. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go uh, write... Or I'll, I'll read this book. And the thing is, is that there's not, um, I don't think there's much of a tradition of technical books that are like this. I mean, there, there are some, but like, there's not a lot of technical books that's, that are just like, hey, read this for fun and to learn some stuff, not yeah. like for any particular goal, which, which is sad because I, I mean, I think there's a cool cool kind of books but Mm -hmm. so because of that i didn't know what to do with it i could like it was hard for me to imagine an o'reilly book 10 essays on fizzbuzz it doesn't fit with their brand but i mean one one tech book i can say it reminds me of is little schemer um which you know is is a lot of sort of waltzing around and 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 dancing through and 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 figuring out puzzles and things like that and sort of building on uh what you did before and it's 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 also very uh what do you call whimsical yeah, I, I mean, the difference with that book is that that book has a, like, you'd read that book because you want to learn Scheme, right? Yeah. So it's like, I want to learn Scheme. Okay, go read the little Schemer. Or even, like, I'm taking a, you know, CS101 class. Uh, okay, yeah. well, that's going to be our textbook. Yeah, I think, the, and so I think the end goal is, is different. But I, I think that along the way, from what I've seen from 
what you've written here, it is it is a good introduction to uh, Python idioms, uh, little tricks, how to think about problems, um, code reuse, uh, and and ways to structure your thoughts. So that that I, I think that's why it reminds me of that book. I know that there are different different reasons. Yep. No, I, I get it. Um, so in terms of tools, I started off using um, Markdown files and a tool called Pandoc, which is like a this Haskell. You don't have to use, know Haskell to use it. It's like <laughs> executable, but um, sure. but it's like this uh, program that uh, converts Markdown files into like PDFs and HTML and stuff like that. Uh. Um, and and then you can like upload it to Gumroad or wherever and sell it. But what I found is I, I was getting really bogged down in the formatting options and trying to get the book to, to look good. And so I just went to LeanPub because they um, they don't give you a lot of knobs to turn, like your book's going to look like a LeanPub book for the most part. And yeah. so I went, I went there and um, I had to make some changes to the markdown to make it more compatible with their system. But when I put it through their tool chain, like it looked good. And I was it like, you know great. what? Yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to mess with the formatting. Like I don't want to mess with fonts and any of this crap, right? I I I just want to, um, you know, get it to look nice and put it out there. So I I just kind of switched midstream to using their chain, and and they're pretty nice. They have a pretty decent uh, model. I've been. Uh, they also have an export to like printable format, so um, I can upload it to like. Kindle create space and sell paperback copies on Amazon. I just need oh, okay, to cool. like do that and, and make a cover and things like that. So yeah, we'll cool. do that this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it looks really good. I think, uh, whatever, if, if you did, you just, just use the defaults for the most part. Yeah. I mean, there's like a couple knobs to turn, but for the most part, I, I didn't spend much time trying to tweak them. Yeah. That looks great. I think, uh, and so, um, anything else, uh, you'd want to say about the book? Off, off the top of your head? Um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I think it's a cool book. I, I encourage you to uh, check it out. Um, I also made some videos that go with it or yes, supplement right. it, 10 videos on FizzBuzz. So if you go to um, you know, my YouTube page, um, you can find those or, or my Twitter, you'll find them as well. And there's one video per, uh, per essay, per solution, per chapter. Um, and each one has... An uh, interviewer and an interviewee, uh, and the interviewee uses the solution from that chapter. So um, yeah, I watched a few of those. They're they're funny. Uh, I think the one I watched was first was the big number one. Where, yeah, yeah. You just kind of for some reason the person puts chunks of chunks of numbers on the screen. So it's uh, it's it's a different expo- exposition than, than the way you do it in the book. It's funny. Yeah, I mean, the, the videos are, are hopefully designed to give you kind of a, a taste of here's the solutions and then, you know, you'll go to the book to find out how they work and 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 what else they make me think of and, and, and so on. So. Mm-hmm. And how long have you were you working on the book? You know, so it was about a year ago that someone suggested it. I, I sort of started scratching down ideas and. Um, thinking about it um, for a while and never making much progress. And then once we got quarantined, I said, you know what, I've, I, I'm not leaving the house anymore. I might as well just like finish this book so that my quarantine is not, you know, a complete waste of like video games and Netflix. Yeah. And are sales uh, going okay? Um, you know, they're, they're going, uh, they're going sort of okay. Uh, I, I, the thing about self-publishing a book is that then you're on the hook to like do all the sales and marketing yourself. Um, and you know, uh, so, I mean, that's one thing. The other thing is that again, like I said, like if you write a data science book and it's the O'Reilly data science book, then there's a lot of people out there who are looking for data science books and they'll find it like no matter what you do. Right. And as long as it's a good book and has good reviews, they'll be like, Oh yeah, this is O'Reilly and data science. I'm buying it so I can read about data science. And there's not people out there in the same way who are looking for books about FizzBuzz. So um, <laughs> there are there are people out there looking for more Joel Gruse content. There are, and uh, th- those people I think have already bought have bought the book, and I thank them. I, yeah. um, but anyway, so, so it's it's really there's a lot more on me to like put the book out there and try and um, get the word out and try and you know convince people that it's it's worth reading um, yeah. and, and that. 
you know, you you didn't think you needed a book on FizzBuzz, but you need a book on FizzBuzz. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's um it's a, it's kind of a it's a it's there's there's absolutely no purpose to the book. I I, I don't want to say like I think that's too strong a statement. Um, okay. There, like I said, there's no specific subject you would read the book to learn. At the same time, there is a purpose, and the purpose is how does Joel go about approaching problems? How does Joel write code to solve these things? How does Joel get 10 chapters of material out of you know one problem that seems like simple and obvious? Um, and, and so I, I, I think there's a lot of value uh, in, in this exercise of here's a simple problem, but like, you know, how many interesting ways can we come up with to solve it? Um, and and applying that discipline to other problems, I, I, I think is interesting. Um, so, 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 so I think there's a there's a purpose uh, there, but 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 agreed that like uh, it's it's definitely a much harder sell to tell your boss, hey, I need the company to buy me a book about FizzBuzz, than it is to say buy me a book about data science. Well, yeah, you just need to let them know that you're you're building up a rubric for your interview process and. You need to. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I maybe I should pitch it as like an interviewing book and and then yeah. how to how to ace interviews. Um, yeah. that, that, that's actually a pretty good angle. I should I should try that. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, and so the the tough thing for selling a book like that is that you know people like O'Reilly and Manning show up to all the big shows, right? So they would show up at Strata, they would show up at uh, uh, Khan or whatever whatever conference you're you're doing, and they would have. Authors there to do book signing, so well, that, um, that, that, that's the old world. There, there, there is there is no strata anymore. There's no such thing. I know. So that it's an interesting question. What's going to take the place of that? Uh, how are the publishers going to sell books now? Um, so uh, think, you know, I'm 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 skeptical that that was how, like at the margin it helps. I don't think that's what was helping O'Reilly. Like that's not why O'Reilly sells books is because they show up at Strata and have a table with books on it. Like, all right. Yeah, that's, they they, they sell like books attraction. by having a reputation. Yeah, it's an attraction. Um, Mo- but, most people don't go to those conferences. Most people. <laughs> that's like true. Most people. Mo- no, but most people who buy technical books don't go to those conferences. No, like, that's true. Yeah, it's like a perk to meet your favorite, your your hero that wrote the data science book. Um, oh yeah, you should you should have seen the lines, but I guess that's sure. never happening again. Yeah, it's changed, and O'Reilly canceled their uh, their conference uh, uh, department, right? Yeah, they uh, I, they kind of got out of the business. Yeah, sounds like, which is too bad. That means I'll never be, be able, I'll never have my opportunity to speak at Strata. But that's all right. <laughs> it's fine. Opportunity missed. I can still I can still keep getting rejected from PyCon every year. You could, yeah. I mean, every time. Not not this year. This year I didn't apply, but. Um, did they, I don't even know if they had PyCon. I think they probably had it virtually. But anyway, um. I I kind of uh, the part of my brain that thinks about conferences shut off. Uh, so I I've been uh the the Southern Data Science conferences in a couple of weeks, and I'm supposed to give a keynote talk that I uh, haven't written yet. So um, is it remote? It's they're actually doing a hybrid. They're 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 encouraging people to show up if they can. But of course, I'm not about to. I haven't even been to a restaurant in like four months. I'm not going to like hop on a plane to Atlanta to give a talk. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I will be giving my talk remotely uh, as soon as I write it. And I did one of these things where um, back in January, uh, Khalifa, who's the guy who runs the, the conference, he asked me for a talk title. It's like I don't know what I'm going to talk about in you know months from now, right? I mean, I think originally it was April, but now now I get pushed to August. Well, you never so do. I just I, I was like, let's make up a stupid title and I'll, and I'll change it later. And so the title I gave him was, uh, it was something like "Data Science: A Chilling Vision of Things to Come." Um, and then well, and then I never changed it. So yeah. now I have to write a talk with that title. So uh, I I feel like you're up to the challenge. I I, I am. I am. I mean, there's there's a sense in which. Um, for a long time, I'd go to conferences. And I'd give these really technical talks, and they would take a long time to write. And then every yeah. slide would have like code on it, or I'd have to live code, and it was a lot of yeah. work. And then other people give these like fluffy talks about like um, ethics, you know, no, well, yeah, uh, ethics, or Spark. or just you know like ten ways to introduce your team to Python or things things like that that are just oh, kind of yeah. like I'm not going to show you code. I'm just going to talk about like 
you know, t- 10 ways in which Python is a tool for creating more empathy among your development, uh, stuff sure. like that. Right. And so I thought, you know what, I want to get into the business of giving like fluffier talks because uh, my thinking was they'd be easier to write. Uh, I don't know if that's actually true. Maybe they're harder yeah. to write. But anyway, uh, but there's no like code or anything. So I, I need to really hunker down because I think the conference is two weeks from today. So oh, that means gosh. I need to. What are you doing here? I think, um, uh, well, so what's sell books? <laughs> uh, and so what, what's, what's next for you? Because, you know, you, you really have built, um, built a side career on, uh, on, on a couple of things that the notebooks are for suckers theme. Uh, and then, uh, the, the, you know, basically ridiculing the FizzBuzz fizz problem, but now giving it new life, right? So you, you have a, it's a cottage industry. So do you think there's a, sequel to this book in the works or in your head or what do you, um, so the, the next thing? so the, the short answer is I have no idea what my next thing is. Um, okay. the, 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 the longer answer is that I, I mentioned this earlier. I hate beating a joke to death. Right. And I, I have this like constant internal urge to like stay fresh. Um, and every t- like if I'm becoming too known for one thing, I want yeah. to like get out from under that, right? So you know, I wrote data science from scratch, and then for a long time I was known as oh the data science from scratch uh, person well, I, yeah. to the extent I was known. Um, and then you know, then there was the FizzBuzz in in TensorFlow blog post, and everyone's like, oh yeah, I love that blog post. And then there was you know the the JupyterCon, and then um, God, I can't even remember what else. JupyterGate. Um, JupyterGate. And then there is, you know, this book. And, and so the next thing uh, hopefully will be something new and different. Um, you know, there was the live coding, the, the live coding, the deep learning library. There's the, the so, so yeah, I have no idea what it'll be, but I suspect it will be something different and unexpected because I try and, uh, yeah. I, I try and do different. Unexpected. And like, there's a sense in which that's dumb, right? Because that's all that's a lot more work for me. It would be a lot well, less work. Yeah. It would be a lot less work to just try and pick one thing like notebooks or FizzBuzz or whatever, and just like, you know, keep banging that drum for years and years and Crank years and out. keep giving yeah. the same talk in years and years for years. Like, like that JupyterCon notebooks talk, I gave it once. That was it. Like, yeah. I mean, I gave a practice version, I guess, in AI too, but, but like, it's not like I've been going around making the circuit of like, telling people about notebooks. I, I gave that talk once and then like, that's a good return. It, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's on video. The slides are available. Like why should I give it again when people can just yeah. watch it? And, and, and so I, I like to do new things. Um, and I, I got to figure out what the next new thing is. Well, I gotta say, I mean, if you, even if you don't like beating a joke to death, uh, you've done it 10 ways, uh, in very surprising ways in this book. And, um, it it's funny every every chapter that I that I opened up it, it really is like there's no feeling of beating the joke to death it's like I can't believe he beat that joke to death this way um, you know so it's a it's a real real joy so yeah I I, I mean I, I'm I'm glad to hear that I, I think the book is a joy but like there's a sense like I don't think of the book is like beating a joke to death because it's 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 not a joke book right like I know I, mean, the, I know. There, there are some jokes in it, but every every chapter is serious in the sense of it actually provides a new, interesting solution to the problem. Yes. And right. it talks about why does this solution work? Why is it interesting? What are some other interesting things that are inspired by, by the solution? So it's not like it's not a joke book. Uh, right. I, I, it's, I, and I, I don't mean to I don't mean to say that, uh, that it's a joke, but um, but to me, the whole setup of FizzBuzz on TensorFlow was fundamentally, uh, you know, sort of poking poking it in the eye and saying, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of different things about the interview process and and how inappropriate it is. Yeah. And, so uh, right? so I mean, the the original FizzBuzz and TensorFlow blog post that was a joke blog post. Like yeah. um, that that was definitely a, a joke. But like I, I just I don't want people to like approach the book thinking, oh, now it's going to be like ten different jokes about you know bad interviews or ten different jokes about. Inter- yeah interviewing or whatnot like that's the, the the book is really about the problem and about the different ways of solving the problem yep. um and the, the the blog post is actually much jokier than the book is yeah yeah well, i help people help people go check it out i think um if you how do you want to 
put the link to the book in the summary of the podcast yeah. here? Yeah, so um, you know, you can always go to fizzbuzzbook.com, but I will put together like a discount code, and when we tweet out the episode, I will yeah. um, tweet out. I'll, I'll put it in the description, and then uh, you can get a get a, a cheap version for cheaper. Cool, something like that. So, all right, thank you. Um, anything else to anything else coming up to pitch? You have a talk in two weeks. We can look forward to. Um, well, I mean, if you're at the conference, you can look forward to it. Otherwise, I guess you can see the slides on Twitter. Um, uh, yeah. No, I'm just trying to just trying to s- stay above water between work and homeschooling and oh, all yeah. the rest of it. Oh yeah, are you guys are you are did are you taking any kind of break for from school or, or are you continuing with some of that uh, unschooling? So I can't remember last time uh, if I said this, but I got tired of, you know, my daughter like spending all day watching YouTube and nothing else. So I started making her do uh, math on Khan Academy. Uh, oh, cool. Okay. And so every 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 night she works through one lesson. And basically over the past six weeks, we've gone through all of third grade math and we've just recently wow. started fourth grade math on Khan Academy. So. Oh, cool. Awesome. Okay. Good tip. She's, I, I mean, so we're we're still like mostly call it unschoolers um and she's still a little bit resentful about it but from my perspective you know it if she has to go from like 10 hours a day of watching minecraft videos on youtube to nine hours a day of watching minecraft videos on youtube and one hour a day of math like she doesn't have a ton of grounds to complain yeah yeah i also have been i was signing her up for these out school classes that um we're a real mixed bag. She didn't like most of them. But then uh, I bought this gaming PC recently. And along with the gaming PC, I bought um, Minecraft Java Edition. And before that, we'd been playing Minecraft Pocket Edition on like phones and tablets and stuff. And the Java Edition is different because you're using a mouse and a keyboard and it's like a different code base. But it turns out that a lot of like online servers and classes and things are really premised around the Java Edition. So now this opened up this new world uh, of classes and learning to us. So last week she took this online class that was basically girls Minecraft engineering camp where they met for an hour and a half a day every day and learned how to build redstone contraptions in, in Minecraft. And next week she's taking girls programming camp uh, in Minecraft. So they're going to meet an hour and a half every day and learn how to like, I don't know, program little robots in Minecraft. I don't really understand how that fits into Minecraft, but uh, so, so I, I'm kind of like I'm, I'm forcing some learning things on her, and she's pretty mm-hmm. you know grumpy about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, we've been um, we, I mean we've been on summer vacation, but uh, before that it was basically an hour and a half of some things, and then some kind of mystery science theater time, and then lots of recess time and jump rope. So now Eddie's yeah, in like two jump rope classes a day. So we're really going all in on that one. And the other one's just sort of playing with friends. So. I, should, I, should, I should take a jump rope class. I could use the exercise. I know, me too. <laughs> well, it's online, and she does it through Zoom. So anywhere, uh, you, you can take these classes anywhere. So yep. uh, maybe I'll put the put the link to her classes in uh, in the description here too. I, I, I just need a jump rope. Yeah, that's true. What else is going on? Uh, man, I think we're going to go camping this weekend on the coast. So I took a day, uh, a day off tomorrow after a couple of morning meetings. And then I think I'm taking Monday off. So we're going to drive out to the coast. It looks like it's going to be in the seventies out there. Uh, go camp on the beach, uh, maybe drive around the peninsula. So that that's happening. Uh, beyond that, have a couple of talk proposals into ApacheCon, which I think is happening in September. Um, so it'll be all online. Uh, we are doing a little breakout for the Mahout project, uh, just to capture some of the excitement. People are, people are, uh, getting involved now. So, uh, and actually we might go to my in-laws in Wyoming, uh, for an extended stay and possibly have Addie start remote Seattle public school education from Wyoming. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, interesting. But, but still Seattle public schools. Yeah, but if it's because they decided to do 100% remote teaching, so there's no need for her to be in Seattle proper. So we're gonna 
possibly see how that goes. Um, I know we, we've been thinking about doing something similar, but we just don't know where to go. Well, you know what? There's there's an online uh, online uh, curriculum. I forget what it's called, but I, I I could dig it up. It is OVAWA or something like that. It, it's basically something that was uh, written up in Eastern Washington for remote learners, uh, and that's something that anybody can check out. It's lots of different states have something like that. OVAWA. Um, Something like that, yeah. yeah the, the first result is a silicone oven mitt on Amazon, so. Uh, that's not it. Yeah. It's one of these things where you have all these Chinese companies that, like, pick a random uh, all-caps name and give it to their yeah. crappy AliExpress products. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do need to figure out something structured, though, because my, uh, my wife didn't sign up to – she didn't sign up to, to homeschool, and so we got to figure that out. Um so it's, it's not too late. I don't think you have to sign up yet, do you? It's not too late. No, no, uh, we don't. Um, and basically, so yeah, our, our our August and September, I think we're we're going to go out to Wyoming for at least two weeks end of this month, and then um, see how it goes. And you know, beyond that, just try to avoid uh, you know avoid all all talk of the election uh, until it's done. Oh man, I have to. Uh... So, uh, I, I'm on the Puget Sound Python Slack, right? Oh, okay. Uh, because I like to talk about Python and other than Puget Sound and all that, right? And so there's a lot of channels and there's one channel. Uh, so there's a politics channel, which I, which I stay far away from. I don't want to talk about politics with people. I don't right. want to hear about politics, all of it. Um, but there's also, uh, a channel where people can like vent anger about things. Right. Oh, and, good. um, but over time, that channel started being like a lot about politics. Like it used sure. to be like people complaining about their boss or about like their computer or things like that. But then that channel became about politics. So I had to leave it so, so because sure. about politics. And there's another channel where you can talk about things you're thankful for. And that chapter also be that channel also became about politics uh, because people are thankful for I don't know some person that I don't know who it is is like getting prosecuted or oh. the, the, the things like I don't know. Anyway. Wow. So I delete that channel too. Pretty soon I'll have to leave all the channels. I, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the machine learning channel becomes about politics and the. Sure. Yeah, the uh, we had a Monday. I was getting you know getting ready for bed around ten thirty at night, and we had all the windows open because it's been hotter than the Dickens here. Um, and I started hearing somebody on a megaphone chanting you know that sing song Black Lives Matter, and I was like, looked at my watch, I'm like. Oh, wow, really? And, you know, it's close enough to hear. It's close enough to not to wake me up or anything. And then I, I just checked on the local blog. The West Seattle blog is a mainstay for, for what's happening in the neighborhood. And they had an update about what was happening. There was a, a protest going from, you know, one end of West Seattle down to the other. Um, and uh, the comment section was just a disaster. And... Um, I, I checked it the other day and it's like up to 250 comments or something. And it's just like the worst regurgitated cliched, horrible shit you can, that you've always heard about everything about black lives matter and protests and police and Seattle. And um, so anyway, the, the local blog is, is also overrun. I think every, every, every Slack has a politics channel, right? And every Slack has a coronavirus channel now. Um, I would assume so. I I try and stay out of those channels. Yeah. If I if I if I'm in the Python Slack, I, I want to. I'm there to talk about Python and and mostly that's yeah. it. And if I'm in the leadership Slack, I'm there to talk mostly about leadership and and whatnot. So yeah. you know, ju ju just as I would rather not um, my work conversations be about politics, I would also rather not my you know topical Slack conversations be. Uh, about politics, unless it was like a Slack I was in, in order to talk about politics. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I spent half my time on Twitter blocking accounts, so that's it's that's what it's come to. I never, I, I, I very I reluctant to block accounts. I know you are. <laughs> so I, I actually uh, a couple of times we've we've, uh, I've had to announce things uh, from from you know different parts of my life about other, you know, companies, tech companies and things like that. And I, I try to mention them in a tweet and, um, and, you know, you, you, you type the first few letters and the autocomplete's not working 
and sure enough, I'll go and it's like, oh, I guess I blocked uh, Microsoft Research for some reason. Yep, it's like me and Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, you 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 don't block them or you do? No, I do block Buffalo. They, they for a while they were putting like really irritating ads in my feed, so I blocked them. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, I think Walmart too. Yeah, my block list I think is about three thousand accounts at this point. Wow, that's a, a full time job. You should get a you should get a assistant. <laughs> yeah, that's one option. That could be or, like a job of the future is like block list maintainer. Right, or I could just wait until they go to subscription model and just realize that's time time to time to not do it. Yeah, I, I I know that they're like I, I've seen the post where Twitter is like hiring for a subscription team and whatever. It's still very hard for me to imagine how how they think that's going to like. Is it just going to be like Patreon and Substack where you know AKM puts out free tweets and paid tweets and and I have to subscribe if I want to get the paid tweets? I don't know. Yeah, I, I it, it'd be hard for me to imagine a large part of their user base subscribing for money. Um, but it does. I mean, it is, but like you could, it doesn't, they have a lot of users. Even if it's a small fraction, it could still be a lot of money. That's true. Fractions of pennies. Um, and you know, maybe there's people like, I don't know, Kanye West that people feel like they need to, uh, hear from. Yeah. Boy, that whole thing. Poor guy. Yeah, I don't follow it too closely, but he seems not quite well. No. Yeah, and it sounds like there's, you know, it's one of those things like if somebody's going through a tough time, it's hard to, it's hard to keep them from, you know, doing things that are against their self-interest if they're grown up and, you know, not legally insane. So. Yeah, but I've been just to... respecting them. I know. I, I, I've I've had to deal with that before as an adult, and it's 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 pretty tough. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I've had friends like going through that, and and they would reach out to me, and it was never clear to me like where is this person coming from? Are they serious? Like, oh yeah. It's it, it's it's tough, and and these were like I mean they were friends, but they weren't like you know it wasn't like someone I was married to or anything, which mm-hmm. which would make it like a million times tougher. Yeah, I know. I think, mental health like that is a really is a really hard problem to solve. Yeah, it is, and I think uh, I mean I know a lot of people are having a tough time right now. So I'm giving I'm personally giving a lot of space to people and you know practicing more forgiveness and you know chalking things up to people being uh, having a tough time right now. So not me, I'm judging. Okay, <laughs> balance each other out. Yeah. Less forgiveness, more judging. Yeah, you should tighten tighten up your game in quarantine. Exactly. Otherwise, you're you're giving people a, a blank check to to trample all over you, right? That's a good point. <laughs> That's what I tell my kids. No more trampling me over. Yeah. Exactly. Bedtime. bedtime is bedtime. Put your foot somewhere else. I actually have been getting really maxed out on hearing the word no from my children. Uh, something I've been noticing lately that uh, I, I have a lot, I don't have a lot of patience for being told no, uh, you know, 20 times a day. Yeah. Do your kids need a lot of attention during the day or they pretty much take care of each other? Uh, it is a mixed bag. Uh, you know, today the younger one went for a nap. Um, the other one tried to go play next door. Uh, I think those kids weren't available. So she started doing jump rope by herself and, uh, then she went to watch a TV show. We have we have a small group of friends that are you know they they still play with um, you know on controlled terms um, and they you know they do they are involved they need to they still need to they need to be told when to eat and what to eat things like that but they can both make their own lunch at this point so that's that's pretty good I mean half the time the the younger one is trying to get bread and jam and peanut butter out of the fridge before lunch is ready so she's she's already there awesome and and the the family's hanging in there yeah thanks for asking we you know we uh you know have having to having to do uh homeschooling really uh took a chunk out of my wife's time uh because that's how that's how it it, it uh it worked out and so 
we do, you know, that's been, that's been tough for her, but, uh, we've, we've actually been able to work on having more overlapping schedules so I can, you know, I actually start my day pretty early now and, uh, I can cut off sometimes mid afternoon and come home and take care of the kids and she can do her, uh, photo work and, um, keep that moving. So, so that's good. The kids are healthy. Everybody's healthy and, you know, everybody's gained a little bit, a little bit of weight, but, uh, we are getting out there as a family, riding bikes and walking around. So, um, yeah. How about you guys? Yeah. You know, we're, uh, my wife wants to go on walks all the time and, and me and me and Madeline are, are kind of resistant because we're tired. We're like, we just want to sit down. So that's, that's kind of the, the daily power struggle, uh, in, in our house. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a, homebody. I don't need to go anywhere that much. I just need to drive my car every once in a while, make sure the battery doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, we have a, a book club we're in that, that I might, uh, attend this month over zoom and oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hardest on Madeline cause she, uh, of all of us, she's the one who actually likes being social. Uh, and uh, having, you know, playing Minecraft with her friends online is not, the same yeah uh, it's so not yeah it, it's tough on her and you know I, I i try and do what i can but i work you know a lot my wife works a lot so i don't know i i, I worry a little bit about it, like how is this going to affect you know these kids over the long term right because if yeah. they have you know here's like six months where they're not getting any human contact other than their parents like yeah it's a really really fucked up experiment um i mean Hopefully it's not too damaging, but it, I, I know that our younger one really, really misses preschool. Like I think every day she, she talks about how she misses preschool and you know, she has, she's four and she needs a lot of, uh, she needs a lot of development on how to treat other people because she's the difficult one, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it's like, she's missing out on like sort of, you know, getting, uh, you know, inter- interchanging with other kids all day and sort of getting their feedback and learning. Instead, everyone around her sort of has to take more of that brunt. And, uh, you know, it really does, it taxes people's patience. We've had to really set some ground rules as far as playing with the next door neighbor. And, you know, one, one of us, my wife or I, has to be out there when she's playing because she just took the opportunity to lash out uh, one time too many. So... Yeah, and like if if you'd asked me, you know, back in January, like, would you give your nine-year-old unfettered access to the internet? I would have been like, no, like that's crazy, like what a stupid thing to do. And now I, I kind of, um, I don't have much choice really. And like, right. even even YouTube, would it, would I have given her unfettered access to YouTube? I probably wouldn't have, but you know, now I right. do because she's got to do something all day. Um, right. And it turns out she basically only watches it, only uses it to watch uh, Minecraft videos. So like. <laughs> Like literally that's all she uses it for. Um, and, and so, you know, that's, that's fine. Actually, they're, they're pretty, um, they're not engaging for me, but I get why she likes them and, and they're wholesome enough. And, um, she, so far she doesn't seem to be using the internet for anything yeah. you know, that I wouldn't approve of. So, or that I would disapprove of at least. Uh, so, you know, so far, so far so good, but, but she is missing out on that human contact. Um, and, you know, a lot of these things where it's like, oh, you know, what if she, you know, made friends online? I feel I, I feel I still feel kind of uneasy about like a nine year old girl making friends online. Um, it just doesn't doesn't sound good on paper. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I've been really kind of foot dragging on all those sorts of projects. And, you know, she she has a few friends who she knows in real life who are online to, to some degree. But I don't know. I, I, I struggle because I, I like. I, I wish there was a way I could feel comfortable with her making friends online, but I, 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 I got to get there somehow. I don't know. It has to be, a, there has to be a, a, a move to that because kids are going to go out of their happy minds in the next, I mean, they already have uh, some of them and it, you know, the longer it goes, it's like, it, there's a reason why kids move out of the house and it's because, you know, they need to be on their own and they need to be able to do it. I mean, that's actually part of the reason we're talking about going out to Wyoming is, you know, there's, uh, more of an opportunity maybe to um, get back into into school situation out there, depending on how they're doing. Um, 
you know, and, and uh, try that out. So let me just, uh, I told this story on Twitter, but I want to tell it again because I like it. It's, it's a good story. Um, so I'm, I'm in a meeting a few weeks ago at work um, with, uh, with several people, including this woman who I'd never met before. Um, and anyway, at the end of the meeting, she, she says, I, I, I got to tell you, um, my brother-in-law is a big fan of your podcast. Ah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, which is awesome. So, so if that, if that's you, um, thank you. But, but also, like, I think my coworkers were like very surprised. If they're, they're like, what? They're like, the, the, like it. Like, I think maybe most of them didn't know about that we we have this podcast. But also, the idea that like some person that you know we don't know knows me because of the podcast was right. a little like. It it didn't fit into their picture of of, of work, which is fine. I, I mean, I, I I think I'd probably react the same way if I was a, if I was in a meeting and someone said to one of my coworkers, you know, you know, my sister is a big fan of your podcast. I would be, yeah. I'd be like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it was, it was funny. Well, I mean, it's it's actually really flattering to hear that somebody's talking to their sister-in-law enough about it to uh, to have that information get through. Well, I I think they probably. Um, I think what happened was the sister-in-law, you know, took this job and um, this person knew because I mentioned on the podcast that I worked at, at, at Capital oh. Group. And, and so they're like, oh, Joel, Joel oh, was there. Got it. Okay. That, that's, that's my guess. I, I, I don't think it was that this person uh, talks, about, talks about us so much that uh, people just happen to know. Well, I, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to think it's that. Yeah. Who I, who, I would got to find out who it is. If you're out there, let us no, know. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily need to know who it is. But 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 thank you anyway. You you contributed to my mystique at work. So right. Uh, yeah. That's always fun. Made my day. Yep. All right. Well, um, it's about time to wrap up. But don't forget to check out the book, and I will include it. Fizzbuzzbook.com. You can go find out about it, and I will um, put a. Uh, a discount link in the uh, in the show notes, and and also I'll I'll tweet it out when I tweet out the episode. Once I edit the episode, which who knows how long that'll take me. But perfect. Well, yeah, we have a lot of rambling to take out. Well, thanks for showing up, and uh, good to good to talk with you. Yep. Likewise, have fun, have fun uh, in Wyoming, or I guess at the coast first, and then if you get to Wyoming, have fun in Wyoming. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, I'll talk to you next time. Next time. Your usual reminder that you can find the podcast at adversariallearning.com or on Twitter at adversarial underscore L or wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Joel, at Joel Gruz, J-O-E-L-G-R-U-S, and Andrew is on Twitter at A-K-M. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.